Are you feeling unfulfilled in life? Do you check your calendar to see when your next moment of fun is scheduled? Do you have a desire to write, paint, woodwork, but you don't know why? You've been a type A perfectionist for far too long, but it's not too late to be type C, the creative type. Welcome to the Type C Podcast with Jane Bite Me. Jane is a corporate lawyer who also writes paranormal novels. The purpose of this podcast is to help you rise above the fog of mundane life and carve out space in your schedule to shine your bright creative light. Hi everyone, it's Jane Bite Me, and today's episode we are joined by Emmy Lynn. She is an author of cozy mysteries that are also rom- with romantic suspense. I think that you'll find her episode interesting because unlike my journey where I felt like these stories were burning inside my brain, worse than uh, legal scenarios for the bar exam, she her her transition to type C was more gradual and subtle. And not every um, road has to be as uh, uh, tumultuous, is the right word, uh, as mine. And not all journeys are. However, we both arrived at the same place. And that is where we have a creative endeavor as as a primary goal of our lives that we find fulfilling. So listen to the episode and just kind of take her her words and how she was just living her normal life and decided, you know what? I want to do this. And she did. And here she is. She, If you look her up on emmylynnbooks.com, and I'll put the notes uh, in the show notes, you'll see that she has several series of books. She has a successful uh, audience uh, engagement on Facebook. Uh, she's She's still a very busy person and has mom, her, you know, she's a mom and she has her children who are grown, but she's a grandparent. I mean, all of these things are still part of her life. She is not an isolated artist somewhere practicing her craft. Also, what I think you should take away from the show that I also agree with her is that you don't have to be perfect in your craft before you start to do whatever it is that you want to do. Uh, So for example, she talks about how if she had started to read books on how to write, she might've become overwhelmed and not have written. And too often, I think we defer to experts on how to, you know, practice our creativity or our craft, but yet we we should not let that deter us from fulfilling our creative need and from shining our light. Eventually, at the more we do it, the better we become. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. I will talk to you all later. Good to see you. So everybody, um, we are joined here with uh, Emmy Lynn. She's an author, successful author of Cozy Mystery and Romantic Suspense. And I thought she would be a great example of the type C of someone that is taking on the challenge and becoming a creator. Uh, Actually, when I wanted to start the journey uh, of becoming a type C, 
the first person I went to was to talk to my mom and my mom actually told me to talk to Emmy Lynn. So it was actually really exciting because I felt like I had sort of someone that I knew that had uh, gone forward and taken on the challenge of doing all of this. And, and Emmy Lynn and I hadn't talked for a few years, so it provided a really awesome way um, to reconnect. And I thought that she would be able to share some of her journey that others could uh, learn from as well. And there will be a link to her books in the show notes. So definitely go check out her books, but only if you like cute pets on the front cover, because there is always one of the great pieces of advice that you gave me was to always put a cat in my story. So I try to do that. So um, with that, I want to get um, started and I want to introduce our listeners to your life before you were a type C. Um, so can you explain sort of your role and responsibilities uh, before you started writing? My husband and I had a greenhouse business. We grew specialty cut flowers, which we delivered to flower shops and wholesalers in the New England area. Um, my responsibilities were with a small farm, you pretty, have to do pretty much everything. I basically took care of all the seeding and the planting and the day-to-day -day care of the plants. My husband did the deliveries and we did that for, I think we started in 1980 and we ended about five years ago. So what's that? 35 years. <laughs> yeah. And you're um, also, you're also forgetting you ha were raising three children at the time. No, I didn't forget that. That was not <laughs> part of the business, but yes, we raised three children who helped us in the greenhouse. They had really no choice um, in some respects and they all like different parts of it. And they all chose to do something else with their lives, which I was thankful for because farming is a difficult way to make a living. And you have no life of your own because mm -hmm. it's a 24 seven, you know, responsibility and you never know when something's gonna go wrong. Um, but yeah, it, it was a, a great career to have while raising children because we were always home. We could do all the, activities with them, go to all the school functions, be chaperones. Um, not my husband as much, but certainly I could, which was hard on some levels, but, you know, was good in the long run. So it's fair to say that you didn't have time to sit down and write. I did not. And it wasn't <laughs> even on my agenda at that time, I guess. I mean, all of my, I guess it was a creative time in my life, which was focused more on flowers, which I love to grow and I love to make arrangements and try new, anything new that came along. It was, that was very challenging. Um, and I think that did fulfill a certain creativity part that I had, but it was a very physical job. So when I switched to writing, I felt like I did a 180 degree flip from everything <laughs> physical to switching to everything mental, which seemed fine. It worked out fine at that point in my life when I, and for a while I was writing while we had the greenhouse, there was an overlap. 
And then when we decided to shut the greenhouse down, I really just started writing full time. And what prompted you, what gave you that, because you did take that 180, what prompted you to sit down and actually get to the keyboard? What brought you there? To go to writing full time or to start writing to begin with? Just to start writing to begin with, because you didn't know at the time when you started writing, did you know that it would be a career? No. Well, what happened was that my my daughter and her husband had started writing um, and it was around, I don't know exactly when it became easy to self-publish, but they started probably around 2010 and you know, they, they were enjoying it, they were making money. And it was like, well, I'm going to give this a try too. And that's, you know, when I had never even heard about cozy mysteries, the term cozy mysteries, but it appealed to me because, well, I don't, I don't know why I like mysteries, I guess, because mysteries are a puzzle and I like solving puzzles. And I like the idea, at least for starting out, that there was no graphic violence. I do read thrillers, but I don't want to write that kind of story. And I don't want to write the graphic sexual stuff. Mm-hmm. So this kind of, you know, appealed to me for those both reasons. Of, both things I love writing. <laughs> 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 yeah. I know. So, um, so wh- how did you get your first idea? Like when I'm trying to picture, it seems always so intimidating when you're starting out and you have to sit down and, and you have that blank page. How did you approach tackling that blank page and say, you know what, I'm going to give this a shot? That's a really difficult question because I have to really rewind my brain for that <laughs> one. And the first books I wrote aren't even out published anymore. They were so bad. But I, the first one, I think, if I remember correctly, was called The Fat Hen Farm. So I just liked the title, it kind of, you know, it's a catchy phrase and it was based on a farm. To be honest, I don't even remember what the story was about, but I, I think I wrote, uh, the advice I got from my son-in-law is if you're gonna write anything, you've got to stick, stick with it, the same series for six books mm-hmm. before you start jumping around too much. Because if you jump around, you're not gonna get a following. And I think that was really good advice. Okay. Um, and I do think I wrote six books in that series, but again, I don't remember because they aren't even published anymore. Um, but the, yeah, the first idea, I don't know. I think what, what happened for me was while we, I was still growing flowers and writing, a big part of my day while I was growing flowers was picking and counting and getting them ready to deliver. And that's kind of mindless work. Mm -hmm. So I think once I got the idea of writing these mysteries, I would think about stuff and it's like, I got to go down to the house and write these ideas down. So I was constantly running back and forth and just, (laughs) you know, until I got, you know, I got a book done and, and that, and through my writing of these terrible books, I would look at craft books. And I think if I had started looking at craft books to begin with, it would have been so intimidating. I probably would have never written anything. 
And also I wouldn't have gotten that much out of it because I think for me anyway, mm-hmm. as I wrote and, and then as I would read craft stories, I'd realize, oh, that's what I need to work on. You know, character development, which sounds silly probably. Of course you have to have good characters, but until right. for me anyway, until I started writing, the actual process of writing, you don't know what you don't know. A lot of right. it sounds easy, but it's a lot more complicated as you're trying to connect, you know, one scene to another and have it all flow well. And those were the areas as I went, okay, I need to find out, I need some advice, read a craft story, a book on how to do dialogue or how to do, I don't know, all all the setting, emotion, all these different aspects. And there's no way I could have learned all of that and had it made make any sense. I could make sense of it as I was writing Mm -hmm. and trying to think, okay, how do I get the emotion into this? How do I show instead of tell so that the reader can be in the story with me? And it's an ongoing process. You're always learning. And I, I do feel like my writing has improved tremendously. And one of the things I read early on is that you really don't, you have to write a million words before you start to. Oh, okay. I've heard that too. Yeah. 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 And I, I mean, for me, I have no idea about the million words. I've written a million <laughs> words by now, I'm sure. And I still have an awful lot to learn, but um, it, it, you do, at, over time, I would, and, and plus reading other fiction, not just in your genre, but any fiction, you learn from that too. I see things now, it's like, oh, I would have just read the story and enjoyed the story before I started writing. But now I'll read something and think, oh, that's really clever how they des- de- described a particular you know, scene or um, how two people are having a conversation, but at the same time, the author brings you into that scene because of the little motions that they do. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I really struggle with I know it's a weak point and, I, and I'm not very good. I'm getting better, I think. But when my characters are having a dialogue, I find it hard to have them being, have them doing things and, you know, mm-hmm. different things. Yeah, the sure gestures, the, the, the gestures, yeah, w- w- without hate, just, oh, yeah, not yeah. the same gestures. You have yeah. to find new things that they can <laughs> be doing that fit in with that particular scene. Yeah. And that's, that's really, I think, my one of my weakest points. Someone can nod only so many times. Exactly, or shrug, and- <laughs> or yes, right. yeah, and that's painful. I agree mm-hmm. with you on that. But so- with word, you can search for shrug. Yeah. And you think, oh man, I didn't realize I was shrugging so much. But yeah, you know, and then you can find something different for those gestures. But um, yeah, I. I that, that's kind of how the process went for me. I just started writing and then it's like, I had no clue how bad it was, <laughs> which is probably good because I would have quit. And, and so when you're going through like your first draft, did you have any like negative thoughts about what you were doing? Were you, did you have to give yourself like any pep talks? What did you, what was your inner speak going on at that time? Because I think it's pretty scary when you're putting yourself out there in writing. I don't remember having any pep talks. I I think the putting out there is scary once you finally, you know, hit the publish button. And that's why 
I used a pen name <laughs> and then maybe that's why I didn't have those concerns because it's like, well, this is a pen name. I'm pretending to be somebody else. So what difference does it make? I think it would have been a lot different if I had not used a pen name to begin with, but I felt like it wasn't as big of a risk. Who knew me, you know, with, with, with a pen name. And when you pub, when you published, um, when you hit that publish button, were your expectations that, oh, I'm going to do this full time for a while, or what were your expectations? Just let's see and hope, or the process was fun. Uh, the process was fun. Um, the expectations were that it would be really nice if I could make some money from this, but I, I didn't really have high expectations. It, it, it didn't have low expectations. I just thought, let's see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's kind of how my whole life has been, though. I mean, I've never, <laughs> I, I never planned out my whole life. So why start now? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, it works out that way sometimes without a plan. Um, So when you're going through this and you mentioned you were running back and forth and writing down your ideas, what was your family thinking or saying, or were they excited for you? Were they jotting ideas down with you? What was that? Well, by then my kids were not, they were, they'd all moved out. Mm -hmm. You know, they had their own jobs or in college, maybe, and maybe my youngest was still in college. I don't remember. Um, well, I, no, I, I think the biggest, what I can remember that really sticks with me as far as a reaction is sometimes I'd be telling my husband some of my ideas and he's going, who are you? (laughs) And not in a negative way, but it was like, I never knew this existed in you, (laughs) but I think I didn't talk a lot to, to very many people about my ideas, so I didn't really get feedback. I mean, sometimes later on, my mom would give me ideas. Sometimes people do give me, say, oh, this is a great idea. You can use it if you want. Well, it doesn't really work that way. I mean, right. it might. It might at some point jump in, but it's not like I can just hear somebody's idea and stick that into my story at that moment. Mm-hmm. But I'm always happy to hear other people's ideas. I mean, ideas come from everywhere, but um, I don't necessarily use them in my c- current piece of work. When you say ideas come from everywhere, what do you mean? Like, where do you get your some of your inspiration? Um, talking to people, driving around. Um, one example that I can think of right now is a series that I just five books. Um, I'm, I don't know if I'll write any more in that series. I started a new series now, but one character who is an, a grandmotherly type um, has this thing for pink plastic flamingos. And I got <laughs> the idea when I was driving to my daughter's house, we went through a town in Southern New Hampshire and there happened to be a lot of pink pl- flamingos in the yards. And it took me several trips before I thought, oh, huh, that <laughs> is going to work for this character. So I don't know if I worked it into every each of the five stories, but believe it or not, it kind of worked for this character that she would use these pink flamingos. So, I mean, that's other ideas. I don't know. They just, a lot of them, I think, come from people. And it's like, oh, I like that particular trait, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe somebody... I don't know. I I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but it just, 
if you're if you observe the world around you and what's happening, ideas just come. And I've always been more of an observer of what's happening. Would you describe yourself as somewhat of an introvert? Yes. Okay. Definitely. And so so writing is kind of a natural way to be creative, but also be an introvert a little bit. Oh yeah. I don't mind being by myself. So yeah, I can yeah. sit all day at my computer. I mean, not the sitting part I don't like, but being alone <laughs> is fine. I don't mind that at all. Um, when you are trying to think of ideas, when you were trying to think of ideas in the beginning, do you feel that as you became more experienced and as you traveled down this path, that the ideas just kind of pop out at you more? I think I've learned more how to get the ideas to pop out where in the beginning I struggled to get much beyond 20,000 words for my stories. Um, and, but now, and I, I didn't plot at all. And I still consider myself more of a panster, but mm -hmm. I do like to start with the characters, the setting, and any of it can change, but a basic idea of who the characters are, you know, what the setting is going to be, what the murder is going to be, who the victim is, who the suspects are, and why. And I'll ask myself questions and I, I just brainstorm. I'll make a list and I'll say, okay, this character, you know, why is this person a suspect? And I'll jot down or type, type out a bunch of possibilities until I get to something that I like. Um, and all of that could change, but I, I like to have more of an idea of where I'm going now, uh, or I have a better method of knowing where I'm going than I did in the beginning. And just to uh, explain to the audience, so uh, there's usually considered to be two types of writers. Um, there's either the plotters who have like outlines upon outlines of exactly where their story wants to go. And then there are the authors like myself and Emmy Lynn, who we are more of pantsers, meaning that we write whatever comes from the seat of our pants. <laughs> yep. and, and I have found actually that the more I try to be a plotter, the more my characters just stop talking to me and cooperate. So I've just stopped plotting. I Like you, I have a general idea of where I want to go but sometimes the characters just want to do their own thing. So I let them, <laughs> I've learned. Yeah, I, that's exactly what happens with me too. And it still <laughs> amazes me that when a, a character does something that I never saw coming and it's like, where does this come from? I have no idea, but it's, it kind of makes it all worthwhile. I, I find that really fun when that happens. Yeah. Do you, did your husband ever, was he ever like, oh my gosh, I can't talk about this book anymore. I've heard about it so much. Or uh, was he always open to listening or how yeah, did he's you always open to listening? <laughs> I think the biggest, I mean, and I didn't, I, quite often it would, would be if we were in the car and mm -hmm. I'd, I'd be, you know, he's saying, are you thinking about your story? And of course I'm always, it's always <laughs> there. I can't help it. And sometimes just talking about it helped me work through something and I think a lot of times he had no idea what I was talking about. It was just too confusing, but he is actually reading my books now. He doesn't like fiction, but I think with this series that I wrote now, for some reason, I'd asked him to read the first chapter or something because I, I, I just needed feedback if it made sense. And he said, oh, this is good. 
give me another chapter. So I would email him one or two chapters every day. And he kept saying, give me more, give me more. So he, he has not read my most recent one because he's been working a lot. But once he um, finishes this particular job, I think he'll probably sit down and read it, which I'm surprised he likes them because like I said, he doesn't like fiction. But yeah. they're easy reads. And I think that's, you have to know your readers. Um, and I think there's a, a lot of people that, that like to just sit down and read something that isn't, isn't too difficult to follow. They can maybe connect with the characters mm -hmm. while you, they, you want them to be able to connect with your characters into the setting. And especially in a series, they like to come back and visit these characters and see what they're up to. What's the new adventure. It's kind of like watching a sitcom, I think with the cozy <laughs> mysteries, it's, I enjoy writing them more than reading them um, mm -hmm. quite often I, I, because they are fairly simple, but it isn't, I don't, I don't find it easy to write simple. It's still right. complicated to put it all together, mm -hmm. I find. And have you learned certain practices that when you're putting it all together and you're, let's say you're in a, the middle of a series, have you learned any certain practices that help you keep going and through the tough parts of writing? Maybe the parts that you don't like, any like routines or, you know, like I will try to have a cup of tea if I'm feeling pressure, time pressure, anything that you do that you think can help people who are starting out and they, I don't know, they just get that sense of anxiety about this project. I, I walk, I take my dog for a walk in the woods and that always gets some new idea going. I don't know why, um, but that's, that's the motivation for me and really just forcing myself to write every day. I mean, I'm taking a little bit of a break right now. Uh, it's just this month, or, I don't know, there's been a kind of a crazy year anyway. Um, and I just finished, like I said, I finished the series. So starting a new series and coming up with all the new characters and everything, I've been working on that, but I haven't actually started writing too much. And I had told myself I was gonna give myself a break. So um, it'll be harder to, it's, when, I when I do take a break, it's harder to get going again and, and getting a good decent amount of words down every day, but I'll get back to that. It's just, you know, sometimes you need to take a break and it's okay. So Good. Okay. I'm glad that you talked about that because I found that that was one of my mistakes with my books recently was that I did not give myself a break. So would you say, and we're giving everyone permission who is listening, if you're in the middle of a project and you're feeling overwhelmed, it is okay to take a break. Um, Definitely. And, and what do you think taking that break actually does for you when you, you take that moment? Well, I think it's just going to clear my head from too much jumble that was in there from finishing up this last series and then just everyday life with this COVID everywhere and those kinds of distractions, which I have not had to deal with before. And, um, you know, winter storm that came, we were out of power, just all those things. If I pressuring myself to get words down and I have to deal with those outside stresses. It's just no, no fun at all. And I thought, well, not that writing has to be fun or is fun all the time, but I think it's okay if you get to a point where you just 
you just take a break. It's like taking a vacation. And the thing for me anyways, like I said, the characters are still in my head. I'm still thinking about my next series. And actually I've got a couple of series that are floating around in my head, which makes it really confusing because I get <laughs> the characters mixed up. But if you're going to a job, leaving your house, going to a job from nine to five or whatever it is, you have the weekends off, you take a vacation, that is a break. When you're creating, and you, especially with writing, that which is really the, the creative activity that I can relate to the most, it's with me all the time. Mm-hmm. So telling myself I can take a break just kind of tells me I don't have to think about it all the time. If I want to, that's fine. But I'm not pressuring myself that, okay, I have to get this book done by the end of the month. Um, right. I'm just, I, I took that off the plate for now. And have you drawn any criticism at all through this process? And have you had to, have you had to sort of deal with that? Or what would you recommend to people if they get feedback that maybe they don't like about their project as they're starting out? Well, it depends on the criticism. I, there's constructive criticism, which I think is invaluable. Um, you, that's what you learn from. If you only share your story, your writing with people that love you, they're gonna tell you it's great. And it may be great, but you're not gonna learn anything from that. Um, I have not dealt with nasty criticism. Probably there's some reviews that are terrible, but I guess I've either missed them or I just skip over them. There's, you can't please everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think what you have to do is put on a tough skin and know that people might not like one of your characters that maybe you've fallen in love with. And there's something, I, I, I do remember a review where um, I think it was the first book in the series and, and somebody, a couple of people said, oh, I, I don't like such and such a character. And I thought, oh, I tried to make the character unlikable, but I didn't realize I'd made her that on a <laughs> unlikable so that was a learning thing though yeah it hurt a little bit but you learn from it and then I realized that even when you have the characters that are kind of the villains they have to have a redeeming quality too Mm -hmm. um so I have haven't really had to deal with criticism that was you know mean Mm -hmm. Uh, there was always something I could learn from it Yeah, that's a good perspective, I think, to have on it is to learn and to not give up just because you get a negative piece of information. Maybe, you know, see if it's something you can learn from, if it's constructive. And if you can't, oh, well, and just continue creating. That's all that you can do. You Um, can't please everybody. That's really the bottom line. (laughs) Yeah, especially in this day and age when everybody's cranky over COVID and whatnot. Uh, what is your favorite quote about creating? Oh my goodness. I have no idea. I'll have to think about that one. I think um, you mentioned something about Dr. Seuss. Oh yeah. You'll have to uh, read that back to me. Yeah. Oh, the things you can think up if only you try. Yeah. I, I think that pretty much sums it up. It's the trying and, uh, and not giving up and, and believing in yourself. And I mean, I think if you're, creating because you love to create 
you will believe in, in yourself and you, and it doesn't mean you're always going to be successful with what you create, but I think that's part of the learning curve. So it's worth at least going out and adventuring and trying to create uh, if you, you know, can, because you'll believe more in what you're doing than if you're trying to turn a profit, basically. Right. And I mean, how satisfying is it to be able to say, yeah, I wrote a book instead of to say, I thought about writing a book. (laughs) Yeah. Well, how satisfying is it that you've written a series of books, multiple series of books? I mean, one one leads (laughs) to another, but that first one always... (laughs) <laughs> that, that gets you over that hurdle of, yeah, I can do it. Even if it's horrible, you did right. it. And, right. you know, and even if people say, wow, that's horrible and say, well, what did you write? You know, I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's something, it's an accomplishment and you have to start somewhere. And I guess the way I always looked at it is I'll learn with each, each project that I, I create, I'll learn something from it and hopefully get better each time. And so with that in mind, what's something that you would tell yourself as you're sitting down to write that book, maybe not craft wise, but maybe mentally for mental preparation, what would you tell your younger self about that first book? Oh, just do it. (laughs) The Nike motto. That's right. Well, that's good, right? Just get it done. Um, Well, and I've talked to a few other people that have wanted to write. And I think I know one person in particular who has, I think probably has quite a bit of talent, but just can't get over that hurdle of getting through having to do it perfect. Maybe that's, that's the advice. And I never had a problem with that, that it didn't, it didn't have to be perfect. It just had to be. And I, maybe that's the advice that everybody has to think about is, you know, if, you, if you're waiting for something to, to be perfect, if you keep rewriting and rewriting and rewriting, it, it, it will never be perfect. You'll always find something that you can make better. And you just mm-hmm. have to decide at what point it's good enough and you can let it go and move on. When you started, when you started this adventure and you mentioned talent, this person's very talented, did you consider yourself to be naturally talented? I didn't even think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it was like just these ideas popped in my head and it's like, well, why not? Let me write this stuff down. And I, I think, like I, I think I might've said earlier in our conversation today that I didn't know what I didn't know, mm-hmm. which is probably a really good thing <laughs> because yeah. what I've learned now if I had started out thinking, oh, I have to know this, I have to know that, um, if, I think it would have been a daunting project. I, to me, it was just a creative outlet to start with. It was like, oh, yeah, this is something I can do. I can think about it while I'm, you know, bunching up flowers and let's see what happens. It was fun. And when you say that um, it was just a creative outlet, it sounds like you are thinking more about, I just want to really write a great story. It doesn't seem, that seems to be your biggest motivator behind writing the books, right? Was just to write a great story. Well, just to write a story that maybe somebody would want to read. (laughs) Great needed to be in there. Of course, I'd like to write a great story. Mm -hmm. I never fooled myself that I thought I was some 
you know, great literary author, I can put a story together. And I think there's a difference. Um, but, and there's also a big demand for a good story. Mm-hmm. And you just have to find your audience. And there are audiences out there as long as someone is willing to, to find them, right? Right, right. There's, yeah, there's some of these readers, I mean, they'll just devour books. Mm-hmm. So if you can connect with ones that like your story, they'll read everything you can write. And any other advice that, uh, so we're almost out of time here, any other advice that you would want to give someone who's starting out on the project? Uh, You mentioned just do it, get out there, anything else, any maybe uh, support personnel they should have around them or, you know, some outlet, something that they might need as they go forward. I think from some of the, author groups that I've been connected with, a big hurdle that most people have is writing consistently. And I think the best advice and what works for me, and I I think it's good advice, is, is really just to write something every day, even if it's not part of your story, but just to keep those creative ideas going. Um, other than that, I mean, it isn't easy. And you can have the best idea but it's hard sometimes to, to turn it into a, to a whole story, to into a whole book. Um, my mother is a perfect example. It's, she's been really supportive of this, you know, what I'm doing. She, you know, she's, she hasn't read all my books, but she's read some of them. But she'll lie in bed at night and the next day she'll tell me, she's, oh, I came up with this great idea. And she's, but I couldn't figure out where to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, yeah, it, it is harder. You can, you know, to, to do, to, to put the whole thing together. But I think if you write every day and you keep moving forward, you can always throw parts of it away if it doesn't work, if it isn't any good. But I, I think if you don't write anything, you have, you, you've got nothing. If you write something, you can fix it. Yeah. That's that, sense. I, and I, I don't know what kind of, I mean, I, I think everybody is unique in whether they, what they need around them. Some people need a, a big support group. I, I haven't needed that. So I don't know. I can't really address that. And what is your ideal spot for creating? Uh, if you could have any place in the world that you could set up for a productive day of writing, where would we be and where would we go? Oh, a little cabin on a lake <laughs> with the loons calling in the distance. No other st- sounds from cars or airplanes, a kayak out there. So when I needed to take a break, I could go out on the water. That would be perfect for me. Cup that of tea, sounds lovely. piece of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening to the Type C Podcast with Jane Bite Me. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. To learn more about Jane and check out her books, visit janebiteme.com and follow her on Instagram at janebiteme. Until the next episode, keep shining your creative light. The journey is worth it.